0: Good evening, everybody. If I could have your attention just um, briefly. Um, welcome to Blakes of the Hollow for the belated launch of our red breast single cast whiskey. Guests have traveled from as far away as Canada, London, Ireland, north and south, as well as um, much more local locations. I'm Pat Blake, and the current custodian of this historic and listed property. There are three strands to the occasion, a very brief history of the building and specific relationship to whisky, an element of art and design, again whisky related, and most importantly, the opportunity to taste the whisky. The Patrick Blake Group of Businesses originated in Derry Lynn in 1887, when my grandfather opened a spur grocery shop on the main street. I'm the third Patrick Blake. There is a fourth, but working elsewhere at the moment. I've been warned not to dwell on the male preeminence. There are also two girls in our house, one of whom, Louise, is here tonight. We believe the property was originally a butcher shop with living accommodation on the three floors above. In the 1880s, it was the home of a distinguished Enniskillen family, the Herberts. Richard, patriarch of the family, and his wife, Mary, had 13 children. Almost certainly in that era, born here in this building. We believe Richard either opened or remodeled the Victorian Bar down below us in 1887 in the format we know it today, with only minimal change over the decades. Correspondence exists in which Richard Herbert describes his relationship with my grandfather, Patrick Blake, as a lifelong friendship. Richard Herbert died in 1928. My grandfather had already passed away by then in a riding accident. My grandmother, Catherine Blake, purchased the property from Richard's estate in 1929 for her son, William, whose name still remains on the front of the building to this day. I've got to be very careful in regards to historical facts, as Bernie and myself are delighted to welcome along this evening Mary Herbert, granddaughter of Richard, and my cousin, Pat Blake, oldest son of William Blake. Pat was born and reared in the building. (laughs) Also present and very welcome is Catherine Scott, at least Catherine I hope is here, the Quinn Development Officer at Fermanagh County Museum, who's keeping a very watchful eye on our historical interpretation. Blakes of the Hollow is at its best known, became part of the Patrick Blake Group in 1996. It now encompasses four different bar areas, as well as 28 at the Hollow, fronting Wellington Place downstairs, and Glen at the Hollow upstairs above the Victorian Bar Glenn Wheeler and Zara are an independent entity within the hollow and bring a highly acclaimed added dimension to the property. Glenn and brother-in-law Paul, I hope, are present, or if they're not present, they are very busy downstairs. They are certainly going to join us, and hopefully Zara will also join us later. The building is licensed for over 1,000 customers over the various floors. Irish Whiskey has long been associated with the property. The Blake family bonded whiskey on this site, bottled whiskey here and ran a very successful wholesale drinks distribution business. Our Victorian Bar whiskey offering continues to flourish thanks in large to our senior management, Mark Edwards and Gordon McKenna, who are also here tonight. Irish whiskey is demonstrating enormous growth perpetuated by both drinkers and investors. New fledgling distilleries are popping up on an almost monthly basis. Many will survive given the worldwide resurgence in Irish whiskey. many will not. As the current custodians of Lakes of the Hollow, we continue to unashamedly align ourselves with Irish distillers Pernod Ricard, and their family of Middleton, Redbreast, Powers, and the Spot Whiskies. We previously launched our single-cast Middleton 26-year-old, laid down in 1991, with a cast strength of 53.8% of which there are some bottles still remaining, and our parents' Powers, 19-year-old, laid down in 2000, which sold out in a matter of weeks and is long gone. Our red breast this evening completes the trio, adding to the crown jewel in our family of whiskies, our Powers white-labeled pot still, taken from a cast laid down in 1964 and bottled in this building in 1980. Irish distillers did make us a very kind offer to buy our stock back a number of years ago, an offer we politely declined <laughs> for obvious reasons. We thoroughly enjoy our relationship with Dylan Bass, Irish Distiller's entity here in Northern Ireland, and are privileged to be offered one of only two bottles of Middleton Silent Distillery, which comes to Northern Ireland each year. Michael Liam and Michelle from Dylan Bass, you're more than welcome. But even more importantly, Joe. Joe is uh, the company's Irish Whiskey Ambassador in Northern Ireland, and who will take us through the whiskey tasting. My last point is the loathsome subject of the cost of a bottle of our red breast, and is interesting. Tonight, and one night only, the cost is £350. However, a bottle has already appeared at auction and fetched €495 Euros plus commission and VAT on the commission which equates back to £495 sterling all in. You can see our problem. We would like investors to hang on to their bottles slightly longer. The bottles are logged and recorded so the customers and another currently won't be receiving any further stock who approached us in the last couple of days. That matter out of the way, Bernie on the subject of whiskey and art, which is her kingdom, she assures me her speech will be long, or will be short, not long. <laughs> and then on to Joe for the all-important part of the evening, tasting the whiskey.
1: Um you noticed when you came into the building tonight and you probably initially responded to the sound of little birds twittering. and um the reason why we went with the bird houses uh, was because if you think of red Breast, the trading icon for the whiskey brand is a robin um, and internationally those who follow and are subscribed to collecting red breast whiskey are generally described as members of the board house. Maybe not all of them are fully paid-up subscribers, but that's my understanding of it. So I was trying to kind of come up with a story that we could put behind the launch of this product because remembering that we were locked down for a whole year and Blex of the Hollow being a wet bar, we were closed. So we undertook during that time to do much needed restoration, which involved another dimension to my arty project here behind me but back to the birdhouses Um I decided I, wanted, I was trying to come up with a story that would sell the product to an international market so in came Philip drum into the shop before Christmas and we had a little chat and I asked him you know, what did he do to amuse himself and entertain himself and he said he did a little bit joinery work and just chatting to him um, who was a former past pupil, I hope you don't mind me saying that. My story came together and I decided that the best thing to do would be Blix the Hollow, the hollow. Not Blix, that aspect of it, but since Richard Herbert created the hollow in 1887, yes. the building this year is 135 years old. And I thought it would be fitting and appropriate to pay homage to the building to the design and architectural merits of the building that somebody at that time had to sit down and make great plans and lots of effort was put into uh, creating what we all know and love and what the generations since 1887 have all enjoyed in the bar. Materials are the same, wood, glass. There were brass standards with gaslight fittings. And that was it essentially, and the encaustic floor tiles. So kind of four main elements. So going forward, I asked um, Philip, Would he build me a birdhouse that bore some resemblance to Blake's of the Hollow? And he created the fantastic piece that's standing over in the hallway on your way in. It, it's quite remarkable and stunning it's been adorning my window in the shop at Dairyland for the last number of months. And everybody has noticed it, especially as autumn has come in. And we put some light features and things of that into it. It's even more appreciated. So, with rhythm, we had to draw on Philip's talents even further. Uh, because I had acquired from uh, some 14-year-olds who left their school projects behind some old bird boxes. So taking some of those, Philip modified them, and uh, to my, if you like, designs your plans, and each of those little boxes bears some resemblance to some other aspect of the interior of the building or just a bit of a, an artistic fantasy of what's... Um, is maybe what people on the first visit to the Hall they might remember the black and red façade or they might remember the floor tiles so between the pair of us we've come up with a few boxes that are on display and I have to tell you that's all happened in the last week or so so we've been both working very hard and I really do appreciate Philip's input and effort and I hope that anybody going forward who's interested in uh, commissioning somebody to build the board box, he's your man <laughs> um, The floor tiles is the second aspect of it, and the floor, when you think about it again from an artistic point of view, it sounds very romantic and very idealistic, but every single person who walked into the hollow since 1887 has stood on these tiles. So 135 years of grime, but um, these should stand as a nice individual art piece. Um, that's hopefully, again, going forward, that generate a bit of an interest. But it's, again, building our story to help um, generate further interest in the whiskey products. And uh, without so, further ado, I think Joe is the main man of the evening, and we're delighted that he's here, so we we'll let him continue on.
2: <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, First of all, before we get started, I just want to say what a pleasure and a privilege it is to, uh, to finally be here. Um, this night itself has been in planning or development for quite a long time, and um, we've had a few interruptions and hiccups along the way. I think I've had many a conversation with Bernie over the last uh, year or so, um, so I'm delighted to actually uh, to actually be here uh, finally. Um, so patience does, does pay off, especially when it comes to the likes of this whiskey. If you think about it, this is a whiskey that has 21 years in the making, but even after those 21 years, there's the decision of choosing the cask, uh, agreeing the packaging, getting it bottled and sent up and delivered, and finally on shelf. So actually seeing the liquid in in the glass tonight um, is is fantastic, and I'm happy to be here. So just to elaborate a little bit on what I actually do, so um, I'm the Irish Whiskey Ambassador for a company called Dylan Bass. Um, Dylan Bass could be kind of thought of as the northern extension of Irish distillers, Pernod Ricard, and essentially my job is to represent our different whiskey brands. So some of our brands would be brands like Redbreast, Bars, The Spots, Jemison Method and Madness, and Middleton Very Rare. And my job is to host whiskey tasting events to talk about them, to work with bars, bartenders, retailers. Essentially, you get paid to talk about whiskey for a living. So it's not a bad gig. Um, it is a real, real job, believe it or not. Um, but essentially, all of the whiskeys that we produce are from Middleton. And down in Middleton, there's one particular style of whiskey that we're kind of known for. We do make other styles, but it's one that many people know us for, and it's one that's very closely linked to Red Rest. So I want to talk about that for a little bit. So you'll notice there's there's four glasses in front of you. The good news is you're going to get to drink all of them. The bad news is you have to listen to me for just a few minutes first. Um, But I do think when I get to the end, you'll you'll probably understand a little bit more about how we produce our whiskey and why it tastes the way it does. So back to single pot still. Single pot still is a style of whiskey that's only produced in Ireland. Um, It's protected geographically. And what makes it so unique is really down to the production process. So our main cereal source at Middleton is barley. Now, before we use barley, it has to be put through a process called malting, and malting is a pretty simple three-stage process where the barley is harvested. It's then soaked in water, allowed to germinate, and then it's dried or kilned. So three steps, steeping, germination, and kilning. And once the process is finished, we have what's called malt, malted barley. Now, if I was to make a whiskey out of 100% malted barley, what I would have at the end is a malt whiskey. And we do toy with malt whiskey. We have, we have had malt whiskies released in the past. But in many ways, it's not really what we're known for. We're more known for our single pot still. What makes it different is we actually combine malted with unmalted barley together. So fresh barley or green barley that hasn't been put through the malting process. And the reason that we do this is because it actually changes the flavour and the texture of the whiskey. So single pastel whiskies are really known by, for being quite rich, quite creamy, and a little bit spicy. And I think you're going to find all of those flavours in the whiskies we're going to taste them this evening. So, very quickly, how do we actually turn the barley into a liquid? All we do is we combine the malted and unmalted barley together. Uh, We grind it all up, add it to water, and then we brew a beer. So essentially we add yeast. Yeast will then ferment it and produce a type of beer. We call it wash. But it comes out at about 10% alcohol, 10% ABV, roughly 8 to 10. And then what we do is we actually distill it. So we need to take that 8 to 10% alcohol and bring it up into the spirit category. So the first distillation will bring us up to possibly kind of around 20 to 25% ABV. Obviously not, not quite strong enough yet. Uh, the second distillation will then bring us up closer to kind of 55 to 60. And typically in a lot of places, particularly in Scotland, that's where they'll stop and the whisky is ready to go into the cask. But for us, we actually triple distill. So 99% of the whiskies that come out of Middleton um, and all of the Redbreast whiskies that you're going to be tasting this evening are triple distilled. So we include that third distillation. And the reason we do that is because we use unmalted barley. So it brings out some of the flavours that wouldn't actually necessarily come about without that third distillation. Um, it does mean our alcohol ends up a little bit stronger, and um, so typically our new make will come off at about 84%, and that's what it looks like. So it might look a bit like water, definitely does not taste like water, um, but this is this is Lumake, and this is the actual distillate uh, that we use to make this particular red rest. So if anyone really wants at the end of the night, you can come and have a little dropper and you can have a wee taste of it. Um, I've learned very quickly not to just hand out a glass of it, because that can go wrong quite, quite fast. Um, but essentially, this is just a new-make spirit. So this legally isn't whiskey yet. For it to be called whiskey, we have to mature it. And maturation is, is where a lot of the flavor comes across for our And um, There's two barrels really used for, for red breast, two most commonly used ones. There is a third one as well. And the first one is an American ex-bourbon barrel. So bourbon is just a style of whiskey made in America. Um, the barrels are brand new, charred, white oak, American oak, they're then filled up with an American spirit. Uh, That that, uh, barrel, after it's been used in America, cannot be used again. So we then import these barrels to Ireland and use them to make our whiskey. Typically, the sort of flavors that you're going to get from a bourbon barrel are going to be honey, caramel, and vanilla. And I don't know if you can see maybe on that light there, but this is kind kind of what it looks like after five years in a barrel. So you can see the difference in color between something that's completely new and then after five years in the bourbon barrel. And typically, you're going to get a lovely kind of pale gold straw color from a bourbon barrel. Now, the second most commonly used cask we use, and the one that a lot of people really associate with redbreast, is a sherry cask. Um, sherry is a type of fortified wine from Spain. Um, in my opinion, it's a very underappreciated, very underrated style of wine. Um, but it's a fortified wine, from, fortified wine from Andalusia. So in the south of Spain, there's three towns, Jerez de la Frontera, Ported at Santa Maria, and San Lugar de Barrameda. And they make up a little triangle all of sherry will be produced within that little triangle so the same way single pot still irish whiskey has to come from ireland uh, sherry has to come from the sherry triangle and typically what you're going to get from a sherry cask in terms of flavor is going to be what we would know as christmas cake so sultanas dates raisins spice um and a lot of those flavors are really what people associate with red breast so you're definitely going to find some of those flavors in the whiskies when we get to taste them and just to give you a little bit of a look at that as well so uh, bernie if you lift up the yep. other one there so you can kind of see the difference in color between the American ex bourbon and the Spanish all sherry cask. So walk. very, very different in walk color. Around.
1: Sorry? Do you want me to walk around with those? If you feel like. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Bring a few glasses as well.
1: <laughs> I'm going <standing> this way. <laughs> Move forward.
2: So those are the main casks Ross, um And there was most notably one. Commonly used ones for, for red breast. So what happens in the barrel is essentially we just have to be very patient and wait. Um, for a lot of our whiskies, it might be you know four or five years. For some of these whiskies, it might be you know, closer to twelve years. In this case, it's all the way up to twenty one years. So the flavour will change over that period of time. Once the bottom, once the cask is finished, once it's ready, uh, we generally begin the blending process where we'll take lots and lots of different types of barrels, blend them together and typically reduce the ABV. So for example, one of the first whiskies that we're going to be tasting, this actually has a combination of bourbon and sherry. And so all the barrels then blended together, and it's reduced down to 40%. One of the next ones, slightly different, and this is bourbon and sherry on an additional cask, but it's actually bottled at 46%. And then we're going to be finishing on the 21-year-old single cask. And this is not a blend in the sense that this is one individual cask of whisky. And I think that's what makes these so special is you can have two casks, both 21 years old, the exact same spirit, the exact same wood type, and you go to bottle them at the same time, and the whiskies can taste completely different. And that's one of the things that makes these single casks so desirable. They are very, very unique, and once they're gone, they won't exist again. There's 552 bottles of this Redbreast 21 21-year-old, and once the last bottle is gone and drunk, there won't ever be a whiskey quite like it again. So that being said, I think we're pretty much ready to start uh, doing a bit of a tasting. Now, this is a bit of a different tasting in that we're actually not going to be starting with a whiskey. So we talked a little bit about sherry there. And we're actually going to be starting with a sherry. So I'll just explain to you a little bit about how this sherry is produced. Um, as I said, it's a fortified wine from Spain. So other examples of a fortified wine would be port, sherry, Madeira, Málaga, Marsala. But essentially, the way the sherry is produced is um, the wine is, is produced in the natural way of the Palomino grape. Um, it's then matured in a solaris system, where the barrels are actually stacked on top of each other. And what happens when sherry is produced is a layer of flour or yeast will form at the top. And this layer of, of yeast will protect the wine from being oxidized. So the wines that mature under that yeast will be your, your phenols, your dry cherries. And now we don't use that type of cask. We use Oloroso. And what makes Oloroso different is we add it. We add the alcohol. We fortify it. Add a certain part of the process where it actually will kill off the yeast and expose the wine to oxygen, and it allows it to develop a lovely kind of nutty, oxidized, full-bodied character. So that's Oloroso sherry. And this is by far the main type of sherry that we'll, we'll use. We do use another type sometimes called Pedro Jimenez. But Oloroso is the one that we use for, for the majority of the Red whiskies. whiskies. So I thought I would start with just letting you have a little bit of taste of, of Oloroso sherry and have a wee bit, bit of a look at it. At the start, I was going to say this is the one that pretty obviously isn't whiskey but if you compare that to the colour of the whisky at the very right. So guys, what we're going to do is we're going to have a bit of a nose and a bit of a taste. Um, I'm sure some of you have been at a wine tasting before. You know, you can give it a bit of a swirl in the glass, let it get a bit of air in there as well, and then just have a wee nose of it. We're going to be starting with um, Redbreast 12-year-old, so we'll just chat a little bit about the brand itself. So Redbreast as a brand um, actually goes back a very, very long time. So this brand itself used to belong to a company called W&A Gilbys, and they were a wine and spirits bonder based out of London and Dublin. And what they would have done is they would have imported various different wines from all over Europe, from Spain and Portugal and France. And the barrels would uh, come over to Ireland, uh, where they would then be decanted, bottled, and then the barrels wouldn't be returned. So these were transportation barrels. So what that meant was Gilby's would take these empty barrels. They would then take them to a distillery. In our case, it would have been John Jemison Distillery in Dublin. And they would have requested that they be filled up with the new make spirits. So they, they knew that these barrels had great potential for making whiskey. So Gilbys would have filled them up with the spirit, bottled it, and then sold it under their own brand. And historically, it would have been called Castle Whiskey, JJ, uh, the JJ obviously standing for, for John Jemison. Um, but what happened in 1912 was a new managing director took over the company, and he was an ornithologer, he was a bird watcher. And what he did was he renamed all the whiskies after different birds. So Castle Whiskey disappeared, and suddenly we had brands like Redbreast, Yellowhammer, Skylark, and Chaffinch. Now, unfortunately, most of these brands disappeared um, throughout the uh, 20th century and the 19th century, basically due to Irish whiskey going through uh, a bit of a rough patch. But Redbreast didn't. Redbreast survived, possibly because it was so popular. And what happened was Irish distillers made the decision in the 80s to phase out bondings so they were no longer going to supply in bulk to bonders. Uh, they were convinced to, to supply a little bit for, for Gilby's, for Redbreast, for a little bit longer. But then they purchased the brand. So they bought the brand from it's Gilby's. And in 1991, they relaunched it under its current incarnation. Uh, under a greatly benefited wood program. So that's kind of where Redbreast 12-year-old, as we know it, uh, came from. And since 1991, it's really grown as a uh, one of the most loved, one of the most uh, successful uh, and best-selling single pot still Irish whiskeys you can get. First of all, I always think the first thing to do when you have a whiskey in your hand is to admire the color. And I think there's a lovely, beautiful... You know, you can see a little bit of that kind of straw color and a little bit of the sherry cask influence too. And um, It's got a little bit of a coppery hue to it. So... Famously, one's called sunshine in a glass. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to have a bit of a nose. So again, nosing is just a fancy word for smelling. Unlike wine, you don't need to stick your nose right into the glass. In fact, you shouldn't. Just let it sit slightly under your nose, like so, and have a wee think about what it smells like. If you're new to whiskey, what I would say to do is just think about what it reminds you of. You know, Are there any particular characters that you're getting? Um, If you're very new to whiskey, it'll probably just smell like whiskey. Um, But if you're a bit more experienced, you might be able to pull a little bit more out of it. So we'll have a bit of a nose. So to me, Red Breast, the first thing that jumps out is that unmistakable Christmas cake character. So fruitcake, sultanas, dates, raisins, and sometimes I get a little bit of like orange, orange peel on there as well. And keep in mind, if I'm saying all of this and you're getting absolutely none of it, that doesn't mean you're wrong. Everybody does have a slightly different palate. This is just what I think. Um, so we're going to have a bit of a taste, guys. This one's 40% ABV, and remember what I said about malted non-malted barley, giving a bit of a creamy character. So have a little sip. Being a single pot still, the first thing you should notice is nice and rich, very very creamy. I almost think of it a bit like uh, buttery, almost in character. Flavor wise, uh, again, very much that Christmas cake character: that sultanas, dates, raisins, lots and lots of dried fruit, and um, a little bit of like dark chocolate maybe coming across there as well. This is this is one of my all time favorite whiskies, and uh, one of my uh, counterparts referred to this as the Bowie knife of Irish whiskey. So you should always have a bottle in your arsenal, and I would always say if somebody is wanting to try an Irish whiskey and they've never had one before, maybe they like American whiskey or Scottish whiskey. Redbreast 12 is a great place to start. It's a great example of what single pot still Irish whiskey can taste like. So if you can leave a little bit in the glass, it might be nice to revisit it, you know, after you've tried some of the other ones. But the way this is going to work is you're going to notice that the sharing of flavor is going to increase as we move through the next two whiskies. So next up, we're going to move on to Redbreast Breast Lestau Edition. So Redbreast Breast Lestau Edition is one of the more re- recent members of the family. So we launched this whiskey back in 2017. And this, the way this brand came about is um, our master blender, Billy Litton, uh, would have developed a relationship with the head winemaker from Bodegas Lestai. And Bodegas Lestai would be considered to be one of the best sherry producers in the region of Jerez And they really have been producing fantastic sherry for over 125 years. Um, I was lucky enough to visit the winery a few years ago and see it in person, and the attention to detail and the quality I, I saw on site was absolutely remarkable. They're extremely passionate about their wine. So we approached them with the idea of a collaboration. We thought, could we use some of your best you know, hand-selected sherry casks to mature a Red Rest whiskey? Not really sure how they would react. Uh, they reacted extremely positively. They, they loved Red Rest as a brand, and they were excited to work with us on this whiskey. So, for Redbreast Mistau, what we did is we took a combination of 9 to 11 year old whiskies from both American ex Bourbon and Spanish Oloroso sherry casks. We blended those together and then we put them into some hand selected uh, first filled sherry casks from Bodegas Mistau. The so, these were made specifically for this whiskey and we finished the whiskey in those barrels or all those sherry butts for about a year. So, this is a whiskey that's been finished. So, finishing is when you take a whiskey that's been in one or two barrels for most of its life. And then you put it into another barrel for the last you know, six months or a year. So the first portion of its life, American X bourbon and sherry. And then the final portion of its life, that final year, another very, very high quality sherry cask. So whenever we created this whiskey, this is for people who really love the sherryed flavor that you get from Redbreast. And keep in mind that this one called at 46%, so it's a slightly higher ABV. So. On the nose of this whiskey, the way that I like to describe it is it's as if you get all of those dried fruit, you know, the sultanas, those dates and raisins that you typically get with your red breast, and you just melt them down in a pot and let them become a bit sweeter, a bit stickier, a bit more intense. There's also a little bit of like an orangey, strawberry, pineapple. There's some kind of tropical fruit flavor in this one, too. It's a little bit more nutty as well. So the Spanish oak typically will have what we would just say is like an almondy character. I'm curious to see what the favorite is at the end, but I have a fair idea what it might be. So guys, I should have said as well, you all have water on the table. I would encourage you to have we wee sip between the whiskeys just to stay hydrated and also just to, to kind of cleanse your palate. Um, but that was the Red Breastless style So this one this one for me is, whenever I'm really craving, a bit more of a heavy, sherry character. You know, It's, it's maybe more of that kind of Christmassy feel in whiskey. Like winter, you want to sit by the fire, pour a glass of whiskey. Red Breastless Thuy is the perfect kind of fit for that for me. So we're uh, two whiskeys down, and we're about to end on the very special one. So the final whisky we're going to be nosing and tasting is the very special single-cask whisky. So just to go over some of the details again on this one, um, 552 bottles total and 21 years in the cask. And this is an all-sherry cask. So there's no this at all. This is matured entirely in a Spanish Oloroso sherry butt. So you can imagine um, the contribution of colour. So if you want to pick up that last glass, and first of all, just have a look at it. It's almost the same colour as the sherry we tasted at the start. It's got this lovely copper, almost a twinge of red to it. Um, very dark. You know, I think if someone was to show me this whiskey, you would immediately know that this is a sherry cask matured whiskey. So absolutely beautiful colour. If you give it a little bit of a shake around the glass, you'll notice it kind of clings to the glass a little bit. So percentage, this is 58.3. So let me just double check I've got that right. Yeah, 58.3, guys. So what I would say about this one is if you've never had a cask-strength whiskey before, it will be a little bit strong, um, 58%. So what I would encourage you to do is nose it and taste it first. And then if you find it a little bit intense, add just a small amount of water. If you find it a little bit intense after that, add a little, little bit more water. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The beauty of cask-strength whiskey is you can drink it at whatever ABV you want. You can have it at 58%, you can have it at 55 you can have it at 50 you can have it at 40 The choice is entirely yours. Very intense on the nose. Um, what I personally come across in, in this one is chocolatey, maybe some coffee, like freshly roasted coffee. And um, a little bit more of a darker fruit character as well. So we're more into the kind of like plum, maybe flavors. Much more dark, much more chocolatey, almost a little bit earthy. So if you think back to that first sherry, you might even get some kind of leathery notes. Some people would describe it as, as almost a bit meaty, and I think definitely there's there's some of that aroma coming across on this whiskey. So guys, we're all going to have a taste. Um, so just before we do, just to re- reiterate, um, 21 years in the making, um, an absolutely exceptional whiskey, one that won't be around forever, and one that I'm absolutely delighted to have seen come to fruition. So, um, guys, cheers to everyone involved, everyone at Blake's of the Hollow, and all the artists. And um, Slancha, enjoy the whiskey. absolute explosion of flavor um, first thing i get is, is the fruit the fruit comes across very very strongly at, at the beginning but it then softens slightly and you'll get some of those darker notes that coffee is coming across um, dark chocolate almost a bit like a dark chocolate chaff cake there's a little bit of orange going on there as well and um, plums almost a bit of a, a, a grape or red grape flavor coming across i think what i would say about this whiskey is it's it's hugely complex Like, this is not one you want to drink very quickly. This is one that you want to take your time with. A lot of time has gone into making this whiskey. It should be rushed. You should take your time drinking it. So, guys, it's an exceptional whiskey. Um, I'm delighted to be here and be able to um, pour the glasses for you and then finally have a drink with you. So um, that's about it for me. So I'm going to be floating around now, and I'm I'm curious to chat to somebody and get your opinion on the whiskey. So thank you very much, guys, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the night.